Take your Bibles this morning and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. We're going to be looking at verse number 11 as we begin here this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse number 11. The Bible says, Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. In the immediate context of this verse, Paul was dealing with the believers who had an unforgiving spirit towards a man in the congregation who had sinned a horrible sin. In fact, you can read about the situation in 1 Corinthians 5, and truly it was a horrific sin. But the man, the sin had been dealt with, and while the believers were rightfully horrified at the sin, their ongoing unforgiving spirit towards this man was opening the door for a bigger problem. Paul warned that by not dealing with this problem rightly and not forgiving the man, Satan was going to get in and get an advantage in the church and in their lives. And it would have been their unforgiving spirit that would have caused Satan to get the advantage. Paul seeks to inform the believers here of the devices or the schemes that Satan uses to destroy the work of God in a church and in lives. And friends, the enemy is at work. He's alive and he's active and he's seeking to take advantage in your life, in, in, in the different uh, ministries around us. He's seeking and looking to get in and destroy. And so this morning I want to look at uh, our enemy, knowing your enemy, understanding the enemy to ensure victory. The Bible says we are not ignorant of his devices. And so I want to look at our enemy this morning. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you'd bless this truth. We have a real enemy, but we thank you that we are on the victory side. And I pray this morning as we analyze the the schemes and the tactics of the enemy that we would be alarmed, that we'd be awakened. If some have fallen asleep to the the presence and working of the enemy, I pray that they would be awakened to these truths and that they would be helped this morning. Help me as I preach in Jesus' name. Amen. There are certain days in a person's life that will just never be forgotten. Uh, For those who lived during the time of Pearl Harbor, they will tell you of that day, where they were, what happened, and uh, exactly what was going on in their lives, and it's just etched in their memory. For me, it's September 11, 2001. I was just a young man, and I remember that Tuesday morning, I rolled out of bed, and I was curious to see who had won Monday Night Football the night before. And so I turned the radio on, and uh, as soon as I turned it on, I heard the, the man say, we, are, we have late-breaking news out of New York, New York City. Uh, a plane has crashed into the World Trade Centers. And I had no idea at that point what the World Trade Centers were and how significant they were. But I remember going down the stairs telling my mom, hey, the, a plane crashed into the World Trade Center. And my mom, we immediately went over, we had a TV, and we turned that on. And the rest of the day, we were glued watching that. And I remember as that second plane, we were watching live as that second plane crashed into the second tower. On September 11th, the United States was attacked by an enemy whose tactics were different than anything the U.S. had ever seen. Rather than traditional battles and attacks where the opposing forces stood face to face in hand-to-hand combat, the enemy was employing a new tactic Hiding behind civilian clothes, 19 terrorists blended in with hundreds of innocent aircraft passengers on four different planes and waited until mid-flight to strike. 
Nearly 3,000 lives were lost that day, and thousands more were injured in the most devastating terrorist attack the U.S. has ever seen. As a result of the tactics of the enemy, new regulations came out for what could be brought on an aircraft. And if, you are, uh, if you've traveled in, since 9-11, you know uh, what I'm talking about. You know there could be long lines at the, air, uh, the airport. You know that uh, you have to go through rigorous uh, checkpoints. And all that is designed to protect us from another attack from the enemy. Uh, to someone who doesn't know the story of September 11, 2001, all the regulations may seem overboard. But it is the job of every TSA agent to make sure 9-11 never happens again. And friends, the, the terrorist tactics are constantly changing. And they're constantly staying in front, trying to find out what uh, the next tactic that the enemy is going to be used. And friends, this morning we have an enemy ourselves in the spiritual realm. And friends, he is constantly looking for new ways and tactics to get into our lives. And so this morning I want to uh, look at our enemy, knowing how he operates, knowing how he thinks, so that we can be effective in defeating our enemy, making sure that he doesn't take advantage of you. You know that word, lest Satan should get an advantage of us. I hate being taken advantage of. You know, maybe you can think back to when you were younger and you had siblings and they would do things to you to take advantage of maybe you're, you didn't know a certain th fact or certain thing and so they would do, play it in a way to take advantage of you. And then you'd find out later that they took advantage of you. And boy, I hate being taken advantage. Or sometimes maybe you get a scam call and they're trying to get information out of you and it, that just annoys me that when I, get, uh, when, when I find out someone's trying to take advantage of me. And we have an enemy that is seeking to take advantage of our, in our lives. And this morning, I want to look, first of all, at the enemy's favorite tactic. The enemy's favorite tactic, which is deception. Deception. Now, I'm going to look at, follow with me as we look at a few verses, and we're going to see exactly what I mean here about deception. Here in this verse, we are not ignorant of his devices. Uh, that word is, that Greek word there is used six times in the New Testament. Five of the times that word is translated as mind or thought. Mind or thought. And so we see very clearly that this, the way Satan operates is in the mind. He looks to get into people's thinking, uh, uh, make their thinking uh, twisted, opposite of the scripture. And so we need to recognize that the battle that Satan, his favorite tactic is deception, getting into the minds of Christians. Uh, this isn't to say that there aren't other tactics of the enemy, but his main, I believe his main tactic is deception. Turn uh, in the same book there, turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, we're going to see some uh, words that have similar concepts. Uh, 2 Corinthians 11 verse 3 but I fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety. So your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. That word beguiled means to deceive. That word subtlety means craftiness or trickery. And so uh, he's, this is the way Satan operates. He deceives. Turn over to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Look at verse number 11. I'm sure you're familiar with this verse. Ephesians 6.11, put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. That word wiles is uh, not so common of a word, but that word behind it is the idea of his methods. 
the way he operates, the way he gets in and affects people's thinking. And so these words are very closely connected. In Revelation 12, don't turn there, Revelation 12, 9, we see that uh, Satan has been doing this for a long time. He's been deceiving the whole world, uh, that the serpent, that uh, the great deceiver, the enemy. In 2 Corinthians, you can turn back to 2 Corinthians, look at 2 Corinthians chapter 11 again, and we see here that Satan, he is a master at camouflage. He's the master deceiver. He gets into people's, he affects their thinking. Look at verse number 13, 2 Corinthians eleven thirteen. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also... Uh, be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. So we here we see that even Satan, his workers, uh, those that the false teachers and uh, his the, the angels, uh, demonic angels' activity, uh, they are masters at camouflaging the truth, and it's all an attempt and a ploy to deceive believers, to deceive their thinking, to corrupt their thinking, to get them to think a different way. Thomas Sowell uh, was a famous economist, economist, I should say, and uh, he was a great thinker. I read a quote of his that just stuck out to me. Listen to this. Deception is one of the quickest ways to gain little things and lose big things. Deception is one of the quickest ways to gain little things and lose big things. Now, that's not inspired but it certainly can be backed up in the Bible. You take, go back to the Garden of Eden. What were Adam and Eve promised? Some fruit that they couldn't have, a little fruit. And what did they lose by making that decision? They lost everything. And boy, you could go through the Bible and you realize where people were deceived, they were gaining something, and then they lost so much. Friends, Satan doesn't show you what you're going to lose by giving into deception. Satan never shows you that. And so we need to realize this morning that deception is one of the enemy's favorite tactics. And it's very possible even this morning that there's an area of deception in your life. That's one thing as Christians we need to pray regularly. Lord, expose deception in my life. I don't want to be deceived, especially by the enemy, the devil. I mean, it's one thing to be deceived by a phone scammer. It's another thing to be deceived by the enemy, Satan. And so we need this morning to ask, our, ask the Lord, Lord, expose deception in my life. I want to mention just a few things this morning, areas that are common deceptions in Christian's life. And I'm going to just, there's a number of things we could look at, but I specifically want to look at things that the scriptures mention that can be deceptions in people's lives. First of all, we see the deceitfulness of riches. The deceitfulness of riches. Friends, it's so easy in American culture, in American uh, prosperity, to be deceived by riches. You know, just it, it can just get into the very way we think, and we start making little decisions that, uh, that help us out uh, financially, maybe. And little do we know, we're actually being deceived by riches. And we're starting to down a path towards pursuing that. We also see that there's the deceitfulness of sin. 
deceitfulness of sin. The Bible specifically says that. Sin has a deceptive element, deceptive nature to it. Uh, we can be so easily deceived. I remember hearing the, pa- uh, the story of a pastor who said that he would put by his computer in his office, he had a list of all the things that he would lose if he yielded to temptation. And it was a reminder to him that uh, sin is deceitful. You'll think you can get away with it. You think you can play with that sin. But it will take you farther than you want to go. And it it will never show you where you're going to end up. And friends, we need to take very seriously this morning this reality of deception. Oh, it's all across Christianity. As As you look at churches and individuals, you see believers getting deceived by all sorts of different thinkings and philosophies out there. And there's so many avenues in which we can receive that, whether it's through books or social media. And they can sound Christian. They can sound like they're very good things. But then we realize later there, it was inundated with deception, and there was error in, in the mix of it. And so we can be uh, deceived through uh, deceitfulness of riches, through sin, but also through evil communications. Remember in 1 Corinthians 15, the Bible says evil communications corrupt good manners. And there the specific context was people's doctrinal beliefs were being affected by evil communications. And so we need to take very seriously Um, who we interact with and the communications we have to make sure that we don't get deceived. Oh, friends, this morning, are you aware that the enemy uses deception in our lives? Understanding that deception is so common and pervasive and that's the main tactic of the enemy, I want to just briefly look here at what exposes deception. If a believer is very serious about not giving ground to the enemy, not being taken advantage of by the enemy, then there are certain things he's going to make sure are in his life that expose deception in his life. First of all, I have four things here. First of all, the preaching of God's word. The preaching of God's word will expose deception. We know this, right? When we give the gospel... We're preaching the gospel, and that when we preach the gospel, it's confronting the wrong thinking that uh, Satan has put in people's mind. He's the God of this world. He's he's blinded the eyes of, of people so they don't see the light of the gospel. And when we preach the gospel, we're exposing wrong thinking. We're confronting it. And uh, it's essential that we believe that preaching is use of God to expose deception. Last year, I was preaching at a church, and I have a message from Ephesians 5.18. And I deal with alcohol and then being filled with the Spirit. And so that particular message, I preached it, and after, afterwards, a young man, he was married, had a couple kids, and a great young man. I really I like this man. Um, had a real heart for the Lord, but he came up to me after that message, and he said, thank you for preaching that message, and thanks for dealing with alcohol. He's like, I've always thought, you know, alcohol's wrong, no, no one should ever drink it, but in the last few years, I've, I've worked at a company, and the, the owner of it that I work for is a Christian, and he drinks alcohol from time to time, and so my thinking began to change. I began to soften in my thinking towards alcohol. I began to think, well, you know, it's nothing I'm going to do, but if he does it, that's between him and the Lord. And so what happened in his mind was he began to soften towards it. And after I preached what the Bible says about it, he realized, wait a minute, I've been starting to think wrong. I've been starting to cave in my thinking, and the next step was it's going to affect him 
and the way he the way he views it in his personal life. And so he was so thankful that through the preaching of God's word, his thinking was corrected. And so we need to recognize that preaching will expose deception. For every young man out there that's going into ministry, you need to believe that the preaching of God's word will be used of God to expose deception. I mean, if you care about your church, if you care about your people, you're going to preach in a way that to expose common deceptions in their lives because you don't want Satan to take advantage of people in their lives. And as a Christian... You should, you should hunger and desire to be under the preaching of God's word because you realize it can help expose deception in your life. But also, the word of God. The word of God will expose deception. Just the reading of God's word. Uh, in, uh, just filling our minds with God's word. How essential it is that the word of God is in our lives, has a major part in our lives so that it can expose wrong thinking in our lives. There's a pastor named uh, Frank Bumpus. I'm sure Pastor Van Gelder knows him real well. He was a pastor in the Chicago area for many years. Great pastor. Um, I heard the story. Uh, he was asked to give a book review at some preacher's gathering. And this was, I believe, in the 70s at some point. And there was a, a popular book out about church growth, I believe. And he was asked to read this book and then give a review to all these other preachers. And when he stood up to give that review sometime in the process, he told the, the pastors there, he said, friends, I'm going to have to read the Bible four more times this year, all the way through, to make sure that the thinking of this book doesn't affect my thinking. And I thought to myself, that, that just hit me as such a profound thought. That man recognized that he was exposed to thinking that wasn't necessarily biblical, and the key to that, the key to overcoming that was to read the Bible more and more, to make sure that his thinking lined up with the Word of God. And so, friends, the Word of God will expose deception in your life, the Word of God. Also, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit can expose deception in a person's life. He's the Spirit of truth. We can ask him and say, Holy Spirit, would you show me areas of my life where I'm exposed to deception or deception has creeped into my life? And Satan has taken advantage of that. And show that to me so I can deal with it. Friend, are you willing this morning to pray that prayer? Lord, expose deception in my life. Are you willing to go to the necessary things that expose deception? The preaching of God's word. The word of God itself. The Holy Spirit. But I, I believe that God can use friends to expose deception in people's lives. How often, maybe in your own life, you've had friends come along who have exposed deception. You even see that in the Bible in different situations where someone comes along and exposes deception, wrong thinking in a person's life. Don't resist a friend who comes along and tries to point out something in your life. You need to listen and say, maybe this is God uh, using a friend in my life to expose deception. So... This morning, the enemy's favorite tactic is deception. He's working overtime. It's all over the place, and it could be possibly in our minds. Deception. And friends, are you willing to uh, deal with it? Are you willing to get that deception exposed? I trust that is your heart this morning. Number two, I want us to notice the enemy's favorite target. The enemy's favorite target. We've seen his favorite tactic, which is deception. But number two, I want to focus on the enemy's favorite target. 
enemy's favorite target is vulnerable Christians. Turn over to 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. Of course, a verse you learned in Sunday school when you're just a kid, but a very important verse here. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. It says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. I don't know about you, but I love lions. I uh, enjoy watching them. I, enjoy, I remember as a kid, we'd go to the library and we'd get a, a, you know, a National Geographic video about lions. And I just loved watching them. And then even today, I, every now and then, I'll pull up a, a, on YouTube or something a lion video. And it just, it's just fascinating to me. And uh, a few years ago, my wife and I had the privilege of being in South Africa for a few months. And while we were there, we went to uh, a couple game parks. And one particular one we went to, they had these little lion cubs. And we were allowed to go in there. You could pay and pet the lions and the little cubs. I mean, their, their paws were the size of my hand. And uh, yet they were very small, and you could, could pet them. And they, they loved getting scratched on, on their bellies, things like that. And uh, the, the workers there, though, would tell us that even at that particular camp, there was an instance a few years before where um, each lion cub, they said, was raised by one of the workers. So that the workers would take a particular lion cub home for six months, the first six of its months of its life. It'd be around people. It would stay in these people's houses. And they would get very comfortable with this particular worker. But once they reached a certain point, they had to not do that anymore because the lion was big enough where it could turn on the worker in just an instance, and it could take him out. And one particular story I heard there was that a worker, uh, there was a lion he knew, and uh, that lion, it was after the six months, he was in the cage, the main cage there, and the, the worker decided one day he was going to step inside because he was very familiar with this lion, and he thought for sure this lion that he had basically raised, helped raise, wouldn't do anything to him. So he stepped inside that cage and just a young lion and that lion was hungry and in just a matter of seconds he pounced on that worker that had trained him for six months and killed him. And the one thing you can't get away about when you're looking at a lion is that they are ruthless. They are ruthless. That's why uh, the writer says be sober, be vigilant. Boy, if you're walking through the woods in, in the dark and you know there's lions out there, you're going to walk a little differently than when you're just walking through the woods in Wisconsin and there's nothing there to harm you. And so we need to be, recognize that the, the enemy, the devil, is ruthless. He has no mercy. He has no heart. He doesn't care about uh, killing a little, a little baby gazelle. He doesn't care. He's ruthless. And friends, when we start, I think looking at lions is very helpful when you, when you realize that our enemy is like them. The Bible, uh, under inspiration, it compares our enemy to the roaring lion. And so we need to recognize that our enemy is ruthless. He has no mercy, no heart. He isn't scared of its prey. And that's who we face in the spiritual realm. We have a very real enemy. This morning, I want to just briefly touch here on a vulnerable Christian. What makes a Christian vulnerable? I want us to notice several things. First of all, a weak Christian is someone who is vulnerable. Someone who is spiritually malnourished, not strengthened through prayer, fellowship, and the word. 
He's a weak Christian, and he's vulnerable. Friends, we need to recognize where we are vulnerable in our lives because that is the place where the enemy is going to look to get in. I heard the story of a famous wrestler, Dan Gable. I don't know if you've heard of him, but he wrestled in Iowa. Uh, he was part of the Iowa State University. He wrestled in the 1972 Olympics. He was con- when he was entered into the Wrestling Hall of Fame, he was entered one of just a couple that were entered in as legend status. From high school to college, he never lost one meet except his senior year, he lost one meet. And then he went on, that one loss motivated him to go on and to do even greater things. And leading up to the 1972 Olympics, through the whole U.S. Try, uh, tryouts and the Olympics, he didn't lose once, and he only lost one point. If you know about anything about wrestling, you know that's pretty amazing. He didn't lose one, he just lost one point out of all those matches. In fact, the leader of Russia at the time said, we will find someone in Russia who can beat Dan Gable. And it was no match. Dan Gable won them. But what makes that story even more remarkable is that leading up to the 1972 Olympics, Dan Gable suffered a knee injury. And it forced him to change his whole approach and the way he wrestled. Because he knew that if, if, if he didn't change his approach, everyone he faced would go directly for that weak knee. And so he changed, he trained, he did everything he could to uh, make himself, when he wrestled, a completely different way so that it protected that weak knee. Because he knew that's where the, everyone he faced would go for that knee. And when you recognize what he did, it makes it even more amazing how he did. He went on to coach at Iowa State, won 17 NCAA champions as a coach, and just a remarkable career. But friends, if we're going to have victory over the enemy, we need to know where we're vulnerable. If we are weak, if we're not uh, spiritually strengthened through the word of God, we are setting ourselves up for, to be attacked by the enemy. But also, notice a vulnerable Christian is an injured Christian, an injured or wounded Christian. Um, Satan loves to go after people who are, get hurt. And I believe he, he really plays on that. And even in the last uh, Victory Conference, there was a lot of things de- dealing with wounds. And friends, the enemy loves to get in when people get hurt. Um, when, if you watch Lions, I remember particular uh, wa- watching them particular time. And uh, there's this video and there's this massive herd of wildebeest. And they were running down and they were, there's this river. They would get, get down in this embankment and then come up the other side. And they would have to, there's just thousands and thousands of them. And they would funnel down to just uh, maybe six feet wide and they would cross this river. And then they'd have to come up that embankment. And because they were, it was a stampede, oftentimes one would kind of get run over. He would trip and he'd come up and kind of have an injure, injury once he came up out of that river. You know what the lions did? They were all sitting on the other side of the embankment waiting, waiting, waiting. And when they saw a wounded uh, wildebeest come up over that that had gotten trampled, they were immediately pouncing on it. That's our enemy. He looks for people who get wounded, whether it's uh, in their home life, whether it's in some ministry, there's a wound they face and they don't deal with it properly. The enemy is going to see it and he's going to try to exploit it. And friends, we have to be so careful that we don't let Satan get in if there is a wound or an injury. 
But notice, an, a vulnerable Christian is not just someone who is weak or injured. He's also someone who's unexpecting. That's why the verse says, be sober, be vigilant, be on your guard. Be alert that the enemy is out there. Be expecting. In my mind, I think of that little gazelle all by himself, just mindless, enjoying the, the sunshine, and that, 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 that lion has its eyes on him. Unexpecting. But also an unprotected Christian is a vulnerable Christian. We see in Ephesians 6, the armor of God, how essential it is to, to put that into our lives, how essential that uh, we are uh, protected. And even just in our own personal lives, that we have the proper protections in our lives so that the enemy can't exploit that weakness. A vulnerable Christian is someone who's alone. Alone. You even think about that now at this time, you're home. You're away from the environment of a college atmosphere where there's a lot of accountability. And you're in a different environment. Maybe your home isn't as, you know, not as many protections as there are here at college. And you're more alone than you are here. That is something we need to be aware of, that we're vulnerable when we're alone. The Bible says two are better than one. Think about uh, different instances in the Bible where when someone was alone, they fell. King David, mighty man, but he was alone. And that's where the enemy went after him. And friends, I believe even the application in our personal lives when it comes to media, it's important, important that we're not alone. That we have the proper protections, that uh, there's that accountability even in our, our personal devices. That there's that accountability so we aren't alone. I've even, I appreciate it when I see preachers who, uh, they'll, they'll travel to preach somewhere and they often will take a wife or th their wife um, or a, a child or some other man in the church because they don't want to go alone because it opens up the door to temptation. And so we need to recognize this is what makes us vulnerable when we're weak, if we're injured, if we're unexpected, we're not on our guard, we're unprotected or alone, the enemy will surely look to get into our lives. Friends, are you vulnerable this morning? We have a ruthless enemy. He wants to destroy the work of God in your lives. Maybe uh, God has done some great things in your life the first semester of college, and uh, there was a great, God did some things and revealed things, and you dealt with them, and you, you took ground back from the enemy. But now maybe you're back at home, and the temp different temptations arise. Are you vulnerable? Are you taking the necessary precautions to make sure that you aren't that vulnerable Christian that the enemy wants to seek to get in and destroy and exploit in your life? Friends, if we are not in the center of God's will, we are also vulnerable. Maybe God has showed you very clearly what his will is for your life and you're resisting it. You're vulnerable. The safest place is in the center of God's will. And that is so true even in a Christian's life. And so, vulnerable Christian, are you vulnerable this morning? I think of even, I've, I've seen this before when watching lions that, you know, it's very rare they go after a Cape buffalo. Cape buffalo is a mammoth uh, animal, and it's very rare that they go after them. But you know what? Sometimes if they're hungry enough and that buffalo is alone, they'll go after him. And what they'll do is they'll circle him. And they'll come in and scratch him on the backside and start getting some blood flowing and getting him worn down. And before too long, he's on the ground fighting from the ground. 
And then they slowly move in and they start ripping up uh, his, his underbelly and getting him bleeding. And before too long, that thing is not able to fight. And he's gone. And I think about that because many mighty men have fallen to snare to the enemy. And it can happen when we're alone, when we're vulnerable, and we're not aware of the enemy's tactics, the way that he works, the way he targets Christians. So friends, this morning, I've really focused on two main aspects, the enemy's favorite tactic, which is deception, his favorite target, which is vulnerable Christians. But I want to end by looking at who, uh, at who Jesus Christ is and that we are on the victory side. You know, it's important to know our enemy, but it's important to know whose side we are on. You know, it'd be like I've thought of it like this, you know, from a military standpoint. If, if you are somewhere in the world and you realize maybe the enemy is there and you realize they have guns and uh, all sorts of, uh, you know, military devices, and you start thinking to yourself, whoa, I'm susceptible. That's, this is dangerous. And then you realize that the U.S. military is coming in. And you realize all their weapons look so puny compared to the U.S. military. It's kind of like that, if you know the story of, of um, now escaping my mind, the, in World War II, uh, he was in the Pacific for 47 days, and uh, Louis Zamperini was the name. And I remember reading that story. He was in prison, and the, the J- Japanese army was uh, just brutal and going after him. And uh, they, they, they tried to manipulate them and to get them thinking they were uh, going to lose the battle and the U.S. Army was being destroyed. And then he tells the day when he was in the prison camp and the U.S. military bombers were way up high coming in. And it gave him hope because he realized, you know what, I'm on the winning side. It's just a matter of time before we have won. And so we need to recognize this morning, friend, that God is greater than the enemy. You know, a lion runs off when an elephant comes charging in. And we are on God's side. 1 John 4, 4, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We have his presence. Ephesians 6, 10 through 18, uh, we have his armor, the armor of God. And then, friends, we have his word. You know, even Christ, when he faced temptation, would use the word of God, and the enemy would flee. And so it's not a hopeless battle. It's not a battle in which there's just no hope. We're never going to win it. No, we can win this battle. If we keep our eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ, realizing that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. The enemy will flee when God shows up. And so we have to make sure that uh, we keep our thinking right, that we are alert to the enemy, his tactics and the way he operates. But then we keep our eyes on Jesus Christ. We keep our eyes on the one who has already won the victory. And uh, friends, when we do that, we'll be able to have a successful Christian life, recognizing the enemy, making sure we don't let him take advantage of our lives, but then staying on the victory side, keeping the right biblical thinking in our lives, how that will help us as we go through our Christian life. Friend, are you willing to pray this morning, God exposed deception in my life? And are you willing to put yourself under the necessary things that expose deception, the preaching of God's word, the word of God, his Holy Spirit in us, and uh, allow those things to expose deception in our lives? And then, friend, this morning, are you a vulnerable Christian? We have a ruthless enemy. We have a ruthless enemy. He doesn't care that you're a BCM student. He doesn't care that you're going into ministry. He doesn't care that you come from a good family. 
He wants to destroy you, and he will if you let yourself vulnerable, if you take your eyes off the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, friends, this morning, let's keep our eyes on Jesus Christ. He's won the victory. He's greater than our enemy, and we can have um, a successful Christian life where the enemy doesn't take advantage of us in our lives. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Oh, Father, I pray this morning as we look at the enemy and his tactics, the way he operates, the schemes, and the the thinking that he tries to pervert in our minds. Lord, would you please help each young person listening here, each person that's tuned in. I pray that they would uh, be alarmed, alarmed, that they'd be sober and vigilant. Maybe they're just at home and they're just kind of going through the motions. They're, they're going through uh, the classes and they're getting things done, but they've just completely checked out of the battle. Oh, Lord, would you open their eyes to the truth? Show them where the enemy loves to get in how he seeks to get in, and maybe areas in their lives where deception has taken root. So, Lord, would you please work in a, in a mighty way this morning. Maybe you're there at home. I just challenge you to pray this prayer. Lord, expose deception in my life, wherever it may be, because we realize how uh, prevalent this is. The enemy loves to get in, and he loves to uh, get our thinking off, off track. And so we need to pray, God, expose deception in my life. I, I trust your prayers and your heart is, I don't want to let the devil take advantage in my life. So we need to pray that prayer, Lord, expose deception in my life. And then we need to evaluate and ask the Lord, Lord, am I a vulnerable Christian? Do I have the necessary protections in my life? Am I, am I strengthened through the word of God and uh, prayer and fellowship that can help me be that strong Christian that the Lord wants me to be so that the enemy can't take advantage in my life? Trust that this morning you would pray those prayers and let the Lord work in your heart. Pastor. Young people, this is a very important message because in the situation that uh, you find yourself, you would have to admit it is a vulnerable situation. And uh, Satan would like this to be a destructive time. God wants this to be a very major uh, victory time because he is going to open doors and change our thinking in a mighty way but being by yourself being in a unique situation back at home uh, uh, you could be vulnerable in several different ways so I'd like you to take a moment and just bow your heads where you are and just right now what did God bring to mind what did he show you uh, were the dangers that that are there you you know you don't have to search for that. You know. And would you give that to the Lord right now and, uh, and then really commit to him that you will take the steps to protect yourself from the evil one. So let me give you just a moment here while the piano plays and uh, you really do some business with God because this is very, very key. Satan wants to take advantage of you. And so you've got to identify it. And to be honest, if you need to do something about it, you need to promise God that you will. So let's all pray here and uh, let God work in our hearts at this moment.